0: welcome to linda's corner today we're going to be talking about finding hope in the midst of adversity i'm delighted to welcome special guest sarah m who is a survivor of the killing fields of cambodia sarah is a motivational speaker entrepreneur holistic wellness consultant and the author of the inspirational award-winning book how i survived the killing fields a story of hope love and determination you can learn more about Sarah and find her book on her website, sarahm.com, and I'll include a link in the description. Welcome, Sarah. I am honored that you could join with me today.
1: Oh, thank you for for inviting me to be here. I'm honored to be here as well.
0: Oh, thank you. And I am so sorry for what you had to endure, and I am grateful that you survived. And you survived not only physically. But you were emotionally resilient as well, and now you have this, this skill set, this understanding that can help and lift and bless other people. And I thank you for sharing it. Would you mind? Let's go back, um, before before nineteen seventy five, and just explain what what it was like growing up in Cambodia.
1: Thank you. Uh, growing up in Cambodia, I enjoy sharing that because I was the first born child and grew up in the, the village, in a countryside in Cambodia. And Cambodia is a tropical country where I grew up. I enjoy all the tropical plants, trees and flowers. and it was beautiful. Animals. Beautiful. So uh, my parents are farmers. But they encourage me to stay in school because they know that being a farmer is hard work, and they don't want me to grow up to be a farmer. So oh, really, they, yeah, they encourage me to stay in school, do well, and get a good job. So that's how I was, uh, you know, groomed to to grow up with
0: wonderful.
1: But, but after I graduated from high school. I I move on to, uh, to college, and the college is far away from home. That is about you know, more than three hundred miles away. Oh, so long left, ways away. Yeah, I left my family uh, to attend college.
0: So you were about eighteen. So is that where you were when all of the troubles began? Was away from your family at college, so you didn't have that support system nearby. Okay wow all right so let's if you wouldn't mind walk us through this because we didn't live through it and and we don't understand and many people don't don't remember or maybe some people aren't aware of what took place in Cambodia in those killing fields what 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 happened
1: okay and while i during the um, the holiday time and the Camaro's communists came in. They came in with the truck, the tank, and the army that marched on the street with big guns on their shoulder, they wear black clothes, and we didn't know what to expect. We thought it would be a change of government, but how, we have no idea. Until the next day, they turn around and throwing the gun at people at home. They went door to door and demand that everybody leave the house. Leave. Go go go. go so where? they pulled all of us out from our uh, wherever we, we were. At that time I was hiding in the school building protecting myself from the, the rocket and the gun fire and all that. Wow. So I went out from that shelter to the street and they pushed us to keep going keep going and millions of people were piled up on the street miserably in the heat and we don't have anything we don't have food or a drink or anything because everything was shut down all the marketplace the restaurant the school the government office the post office everything was shut down so I was crying not not crying to to feel sad about myself I cried because I was away from my family I want to be with them because anything happened anything bad that happened you want to be close to the people that you love and now here I am way that's That's why I cry. And I also cry because my mom just recovered from four years of paralysis. What? She she was sick for four years. She was paralyzed, and I was the caregiver.
0: Really? You were the caregiver before you went away to school, so she was finally okay to take care of herself, and you felt safe to leave before everything fell apart?
1: Yes, oh my. yes, so was so attached to my family that way. And I end up in the big work camp. Well, it's a few steps before then, but to make a long story short, I finally was put in the big camp. The camp with one thousand men and women, all single. All come from the city, and they put us to work very really hard. I work is going to work in the rice field you plant in the rice, rice Or harvest if whatever the season is work in in that heat about fifteen hours a day. oh my a long day, and we were giving very really little food to eat, so um. We were hungry, starved to say the, the least, style and exhausted, and sleepy because we didn't have enough sleep. You know, when you are young, around that time, eighteen, twenty, twenty-one, you want a lot of sleep, mm-hmm. but we didn't get enough sleep, so we we become sick very really quickly. Oh dear. Yeah, within uh, within my first two months, I started to get sick and sicker and sicker. I I contracted a few diseases, a very really bad disease. But they still push us to work, no matter how sick we were. And I keep dragging myself to work until I can't I can't go anymore. So when when I cannot go to work. They put me in a, in a place They said, you need to go to the hospital. But it's not a really a, a regular hospital. There is no medication. There is no doctors or nurse. We are pretty much left by ourselves and just wait for time to die.
0: Wow. And yeah. A place where you're set aside to die. What a scary feeling. That would be terrifying. And then yeah. how long did you stay there?
1: I stayed there. Um, I don't remember exactly how long, but and I noticed that people die almost every day. So I, I got concerned. I said, I cannot stay here much longer. I need to find my way out. So that's when I, I searched within myself. What can I do to help myself? I cannot go back to the workplace where the working people stay. I can't work. And I cannot stay here because I'm going to get more disease and I will...
0: And you will die.
1: So my only way is to get out from here. I don't know what to do, but I I was thinking about God because since I was young, I believe that there is God. I don't know much about religion, about God, about anything, but I for some reason from listening to the story that my mom used to read, I I already make up my mind that God in heaven exists and he knows everything. So I pray to God to help me. So after I pray for a while, one day I feel like I have a little extra energy to walk away from there. So I walk away.
0: You and, escaped?
1: Yeah, yeah I, I was I was getting out from that infirmary, went to the direction of the working place, and one kind team leader, she saw me, she said, oh, you come and stay with me. Uh, let me see if I can give you something to do. And then she realized that I'm too sick. I need more than just doing something. So she figured it out, and she told me that you need to go to work in the kitchen. That is my life-saving job.
0: Really? So you didn't escape from everything? You were able to leave the infirmary and then were redirected to a new assignment in the kitchen? Okay, okay. I'm sorry. I was misunderstanding. Okay. So you're still in it. You're still working at the work camp, but now you're reassigned to the kitchen. Okay, good. Yes. And that wasn't as physically demanding on your poor, sick body, and you were able right. to keep going. Okay, all
1: right. Yeah, yes. So instead of working in a harsh, heated field, I work in the shade. So it's still in the in the same environment, within the, the same camp, but it's a better working condition.
0: Oh, I'm so glad. And you were in yeah. the, the work camp for four years, were you not?
1: Um, The total stay is four years. But this is at the beginning of the work camp.
0: This is still the beginning section?
1: Yes. Oh my
0: goodness, there's so much more to come. Oh, you poor thing. I am so grateful that you felt like you had God so that you weren't entirely alone. Were you ever able to make connection with your family? Were they safe? Not everyone knows who's listening that during this time of the killing fields, about 2 million people were killed. And so fortunately, you weren't killed, but you were sent to the work camp. Is your family okay? Were they okay?
1: My family almost got wiped out in in a few gunshots. But again, God must must protect them. My, My mom told me, their story later on, but, but they are okay. Oh, they are, they
0: are safe. <sighs> yeah. Oh, I'm so glad. Yes. I'm so glad. I know everyone's story didn't turn out that way. So I'm grateful that yours did. Okay. Yes. So now I'm, I'm but, back in the story. We're still at the beginning. You're in this labor camp and now you've re- been reassigned to the kitchen. And then did it continue there for the next Several years?
1: I worked in the kitchen for about several months. hmm And then I feel better and look better. And they saw me look like that. They they pulled me out from the kitchen and put me back,
0: back to in the fish The, field. Harsh,
1: the okay. harsh rice feel. So the total of four years that I endure but toward the end of four years, this um, the controller of the camp, they start to move the whole camp, move away from where we were, move closer and closer to the jungle. Really?
0: Yeah. You move the camp, but they, don't the rice fields they have s- to be where the rice grows?
1: No. Uh the where the rice field is, it's now not near the jungle. So okay. there was something going on. There was some gunshot. There was some noise. Some some bomb uh, far away. And this uh, the the leader of this camp sent something that is coming. So they start to move all of us, move all of us toward the uh, the jungle. And I did not realize at the beginning until keep moving, moving, and then we realize every time we move, we it's getting closer to the jungle, and we had to cut down all the trees and shrub and everything to make place for us to to sleep at night. So I realized at one point when we move far enough to the jungle, at one point I realized that I don't want to keep going with them. I want to go back to. Look for my hometown. And uh, if I keep staying with them, I would never, never be able to find my family. So I have a courage. God probably gave me the courage to plan an escape. So my plan was to, um, to ask a few of my good friends, and I asked them, I said, you know, I, I like to escape. Would you come with me? And they all did say yes, yes, three of them, yes. So they uh, they agreed to go along with me, and we pack up a few things and a little bit of food that we have in that camp, and we sneak out. Wow! At time.
0: So you did escape. Did they chase yes. you?
1: Well, they might chase, but um, when we escaped, we we were very careful. We didn't make any noise, and we went until very dark. You know, in the jungle, when it's dark, it's dark. It's black. Nobody can see it. So we, we kind of sneak out quietly and then walk very fast and keep walking all night long until the next day. And we turn around, we didn't see them. So we realized that they didn't see us. If if they ever saw us, we were shot on the spot. There's no, no excuse, but God protected us.
0: Wow, yes. I'm so glad. And now you're in the middle of the jungle with no food, no shelter, no tools, no anything. And how did you know where to go, where where you were, or how to find your family? You started 300 miles away, and then they moved you, so you had a long way to go.
1: Yeah, the camp was not as far as 300 miles, because I had been displaced uh, two times, but uh, it's still far enough. So yeah, get out of the jungle, we are not. Totally out, but we keep walking, walking until until we see some people. We see some people walking, and then we finally get into the village, and we ask for direction. We ask people if they know how to get to Badambong, which is my hometown. And some people, they know, and they told us how to get there. So we continue walking. On barefoot for a long time,
0: and you're barefoot.
1: Barefoot, yes. Oh boy.
0: Okay, so you found it. I hope. Finally. And it, what did it look like when you got there? Was it the same, or had that been destroyed as well?
1: Oh, it had been destroyed. My home was destroyed. Uh, when I got to where my home used to be, there was no home. Wow. It, they destroy people around there, they told us that um they they destroyed the big house. Our house was you know, a big size. They destroyed the big house to take the wood to build smaller house for more people. So, um and I look around I couldn't find my family and I asked nobody no. So um I was thinking about my aunt because before all this happened, my aunt was a nurse. So I remember her. I said, well, maybe, maybe my aunt um, was in the hospital. Let's go to the hospital. So thank goodness I remember that. And when I went to the hospital uh, and I searched and I found her.
0: Oh, good. A familiar face. And did she know where your family was?
1: yes yeah, she knows she knows and she told me to go to her house one of her daughters will take me to where my family live that's how i found my family
0: yay okay yes. now you're together but everyone is still in danger because this this communist government is in control how long did they stay in control i i don't know what happens next
1: no um by the time, by the time, uh, well, I found out that the whole country had been liberated. Really? For, yeah, four months before I arrived home.
0: So your timing was perfect, as far as time to be able to to get away and be able to reunite with your family. Oh, okay. So yes, then did yes. things get a little more peaceful, or did then a new government, was that unrest a as little, well?
1: A little more peaceful. Um, they are not killing people like the communist Camaros. This is a new group, it's the Vietnamese, communist Vietnamese. So somebody that had a connection with them went out and uh, told them that the Camaros kill a lot of people. Please come and help. So they came to rescue us okay but but they are still uh, they are also common they're communist
0: as well, but they didn't just round up people and kill them right. okay, so but, that that's a definite improvement,
1: yeah, it's an improvement, but it's still we are now trusting we we don't know what to expect, so I live with my family for. About a year, and my mom sensed that it's not safe, so we had to find a way to escape. And at that point, at that time, my mom was not doing well. She she had a stroke um, during the uh, the four years mm-hmm. in Cameroons. She had a stroke, and she just reco- recovered from a stroke, and now. It's time for us to think about escaping, and she cannot, cannot she can't go move? anywhere, so she sent me, she said. Just you? Yeah, just me. I want to take one of my brother, but it didn't work out. So just me. Where'd you go? I had to go to the Thai border. Cambodia is next door to Thailand and Vietnam. On the south side is Vietnam. On the west side is Thailand. So, so you escaped to Thailand. My hometown is not too, too far from the Thai border. So it, it's far enough. You cannot walk. But, but um, I managed to uh, rent a motorcycle to hire somebody to take me to the border.
0: Oh, you didn't have to walk the whole way. Oh, good. No,
1: no, I cannot walk. It's too far. It's too but, far. And uh, my mom had cousin who already also planned to go. So she um, teamed me up with him to go together.
0: So you had some, a companion at least? Yes. Okay, alright, so you weren't yes. entirely alone. And then you escaped to Thailand. And then did okay. you stay there? You're not there now.
1: No. When I got to, to the Thai border, by that time, the United Nations already built a refugee camp because there's a flood of people that try to escape from Cambodia, try to get out, and long enough that the United Nations know about this situation, and they build the camp to receive a lot of refugees from Cambodia.
0: And was that in Thailand, the the refugee yes. camp, the UN refugee yeah. camp? So you yeah. were able to get some help there?
1: Uh mm-hmm. huh. Yes.
0: And then did any of your other family get out?
1: Not at that time. Not at that time. So um I I have one relative who came to United States as a student. So now it's my job to uh, to try to make connection with him. So I make connection and he sponsored me to come. Oh great. Uh, yeah, yeah. <sighs>
0: Oh, man. I'm just listening to your story, Sarah, and my anxiety is up. It, it's scary. It hurts. And I didn't even live it. You are amazing. So you, you've you experienced all of these hard things, but that doesn't, it, it doesn't keep you in that place of, of darkness. You have moved forward and you have be Become just this, this beacon of hope and light to be able to teach other people how to be resilient. Right now, we're in a world where people are afraid. In the United States, people are afraid. They're afraid of COVID. They're afraid of the future. And what we are dealing with right now cannot hold a candle to what you endured. And you not only endured it, but you're okay on the other side. And I think you. Being willing and open to share your story helps other people put our challenges into perspective and realize, you know, I can get through this and it's going to be okay. Uh, Look what Sarah did. She made it through and she did much harder, scarier things than I have ever seen. So do you have any advice, any suggestions for people who are feeling Uncomfortable and and frightened of of how they can have that kind of hope and resilience that you demonstrated.
1: Yes, um, based on my experience, we can start building our resilience by gathering some positive, some yeah, some positive thing around us and. I would recommend that you look for something good to be grateful for. Gratitude is the beginning. You start to be grateful for this and that and that. Um, Like right now, you can feel grateful that you have a place to live. You have a running water to drink. You have a market that you can go and buy. You, you have your family, what, if they are far away from you, it's only a phone call away or just a social media post. People can see, can connect with each other. When I was captive, I have nothing. I have no clue what happened to my family. So you can look at all these positive things that you can be grateful for. And, and also, Gather all the loving people—the people that you love, your family, your friends, people at church, people in the community—the um, the positive people that you feel you feel like sunshine when you meet with them. Those you will find those people. They are plenty. So those are the people that you want around you family and friend, Human relationship, human connection is a very positive. You always want to build around them. And also, also you have faith. Whatever faith you you have. For me, I'm so grateful that I thought about God. I believe that God exists. So my faith in God helped me to look at the future in a positive way. And I trust that God will bring us something positive, will be something better, and also have a sense of purpose. For me, it's uh, to survive, it's not just for me, to survive for my family. My purpose is my family.
0: That is so beautiful. So some of the things that you mentioned, are our gratitude and looking for the positive things and surrounding ourselves with a community of people that we care about and who will be positive and who will help and support and lift us. And then your faith. Faith in God is such a powerful, powerful tool. And I loved how you mentioned that hope for something better to come that you had a positive expectancy. Things are going to get better, and they're going to be okay. And all of these things are beautiful. And all of these things are available to us right here, right now, and they're free. Yes. And that is beautiful. So thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for your insight. Thank you for all of the things that you have shared you are amazing.
1: Thank you, Linda. So, um, keep looking at something that you have. Don't think about something that you don't have. That's that's the difference between sad and happy. If you think about something that you don't have, it makes you sad. If you if you you appreciate something that you you have right now,
0: it will make you happy. Mm. And we can be happy today. Isn't that lovely? It depends on the direction we focus. Are we focusing on the negative? Or are we focusing on the positive? We have both. They're both around us. But we can choose where we look.
1: Yes. Yes. When you have a, gla- a glass that is half full, you don't want to say it's half empty. It's the half full. Appreciate what is already in there.
0: That is, that's beautiful. Well, thank you for visiting with me today. It has been an honor to meet you.
1: Thank you for having me, Linda.
0: I'm
1: so happy that you do this to inspire people.
0: Oh, thank you. Thank you for helping to inspire people. It is good.
1: Yeah, you can share the uh, uplifting message for each other. That's how we build our community for a better future.
0: Yes. Yes, it is. This is part of how we do community. We get to do it through, um, even if we don't get to meet in person, we know that we're part of a group, a community, and that you belong and that I belong. And we have people who care and people who understand and people who have been through hard things and people who are resilient. And just knowing that you exist helps give that sense of of community and purpose. So, again, thank you for being here today.
1: Thank you, Linda.
0: In closing, I'd like to share a quote by author Jodi Picoult. She said, the human capacity for burden is like bamboo far more flexible than you'd ever believe at first glance. Today, I invite you to let go of fear and anxiety and be flexible and resilient so that you can live a fulfilling and harmonious life. If you enjoyed Sarah's message today, please consider subscribing to Linda's Corner and leaving a five-star rating and review. You can learn more about Linda's Corner Podcast at our website, lindascornerpodcast.com and on social media at Linda's Corner Podcast. See you next time on Linda's Corner.